Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code NOGIRLS at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash NOGIRLS, code NOGIRLS. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. I know it's been a while since I've been in your ears, and I've missed it so much, and I hope you've been enjoying your summer. If you're anything like me, you got vaccinated, you were looking forward to having some kind of normal-ish summer, whatever that means. But then, not so much. Cases started rising again, and vaccine misinformation is still running rampant on social media platforms. So even though we're on hiatus, I couldn't stay away. I just had to come talk about it with y'all. Okay, so here's what's going on. A new report confirmed that the most viewed article on Facebook was a news story that baselessly suggested that the COVID-19 vaccine may have led to a doctor's death. This story was the most viewed link on Facebook in the United States for the first three months of 2021, when the pandemic was still very much a thing. But don't worry, Facebook did the right thing. They quickly went public about their platform pushing this kind of deadly anti-vaccine misinformation and apologized for the harm that it caused. Oh, wait, actually, just kidding. What they actually did was refuse to publish the report because they worried it would make their company look bad. This is according to the New York Times. Platforms have got to get a handle on COVID misinformation if we're ever going to have a chance of getting back to some semblance of normal life. And it made me want to revisit the story of Ifoma Uzoma. Now, we heard from Ifoma this past winter. She's a Black public policy and technology professional who was fighting to keep health misinformation off social media platforms way before the COVID-19 pandemic ever began. And I think her story really says a lot about what social media platforms need to be doing to curb medical misinformation about vaccines and COVID to keep us all safe. So let's listen to the story of Ifoma Uzoma versus misinformation. 
I believe Black women are the future of the internet. Much of the work to create that future, a safer, more inclusive one, has been built by Black women. But we need to acknowledge the sad reality that that work doesn't always come easy. For the Black women trying to build better platforms and push for changes in systems and institutions, that work comes at a huge personal cost. This is something that tech policy expert Ifoma Uzoma knows all too well. My full name is Ifoma Uzoma, and I'm the founder and principal of the consulting firm that's called Earthseed, uh, which is actually named after the community that Octavia Butler created in Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. In Octavia Butler's novel, Parable of the Sour, Earthseed is a community based around the idea that God has changed. It's all about the future and the possibilities of what can be. And knowing Ifoma, this name is no accident. Before she started her own firm, Ifoma was already an early champion of change, busy architecting the future of the internet. An early hire on Pinterest's public policy team, her work set Pinterest apart, and headline after headline applauded Pinterest for taking early action to keep dangerous dis- and misinformation off their platform. You'd think this would make her a superstar within the organization, but like so many Black women who fight for change, that wasn't the case. As things were going south, I was still doing the work. Misinformation is kind of a trendy thing now, but back in 2018 when Nifoma was hired at Pinterest, people weren't really talking about the need to keep it off platforms. She hit the ground running as soon as she was hired and basically designed an early framework of moderation policies to keep dangerous dis and misinformation off Pinterest. First, by banning prolific conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, and later, health misinformation. My first week on the job, uh, I pushed our GC and our trust and safety team and uh, the content policy team to make the decision that we ended up making on Alex Jones and removing him entirely from the platform at a time. This was in 2018 at a time when he was not really being addressed by any platform. And the argument I made at that point um, was first that he already violated a lot of the policies that we had, his content, um, and two important things. One, that if you're acting on misinformation, at that point, no other platform had a misinformation policy other than like Medium. And my point was, well, if we're making decisions because we know content is misinforming, we have a misinformation policy, we need to just write it and be clear and stand in our convictions and post it on the site. A few researchers will pick it up, others may pick it up. Most people won't, but I do think when you're making decisions, you need to be transparent about what those decisions are and why. And so from there, and the policy that came out of that, then I was able to push um, for a lot of the health misinformation work that I did, which started with uh, getting a landscape analysis. That's something that I feel has been missing from a lot of platforms. If you don't know what's on your platform and others don't know, how do you address it properly? If you don't know who it's impacting, because most misinformation is not an equal opportunity harm. It's mostly targeted at people of color and at women. And when you're looking at health misinformation, it's especially stark. And so having that information, I was then um, able to push for things that I was retaliated against because of. Uh, but that's a whole other set of stories. Moderation on a platform like Pinterest is no easy thing. But Ifoma championed moderation policies that targeted how savvy disinformers actually can be. For instance, there's huge amounts of inaccurate content about abortion targeting the Black community. They use rhetoric like Black genocide and accuse Planned Parenthood of wanting to abort Black babies, using imagery of Black moms and babies to target Black folks. But there's also huge overlap in the anti-choice movement and the white supremacist movement. So some of this content is actually produced by white supremacist groups trying to target the Black community. Ifoma's ability to build out thoughtful moderation policies around this kind of complex content was bolstering Pinterest's public reputation as a company who stood apart as an early model of what it looked like to build safer and more ethical platforms. They were championed in the press. But all the while, Ifoma was being mistreated internally by her own colleagues for the very work that allowed Pinterest to be seen as a success story. So few platforms had any kind of public-facing policy around misinformation and disinformation. And back then, I feel like Pinterest was really able to set themselves apart, at least from someone from the outside looking in. 
And you were doing so much of that work all the while they were making your life harder for doing it. You know, how do you sit with that? Um, with a lot of peace that karma is real, um, and it will come <laughs> back to get them. But, but also, that was one of the reasons why I had to go public about the retaliation that I faced when I raised pay discrimination concerns about the doxing that I experienced from a white male supremacist who happened to also work at Pinterest, after uh, I pushed for decisions to be made around uh, white supremacist content that had existed on the platform. Uh, there are a lot of intersections, as you know, with misinformation. And so even though Pinterest was most well known because of the health misinformation work that I did, we took a lot of steps to address other types of misinformation. And where uh, those two, I guess, circles and a Venn diagram met was on an anti-choice site that had been posting misinformation around uh, birth control and access to abortion services being targeted specifically at black communities to uh, push a eugenics agenda from the pro-choice movement. Mm -hmm. just And the ways in which the misinformation aligned uh, I pushed internally that like this is this is why we have to look at misinformation in general. We have to look at the specific ways in which it it harms people. But if you just take a well, this is an opinion point of view, then you're missing that this is both health misinformation and it's also political because it's targeted at a group using language and using imagery because they're very good at using images of black mothers and black children on these websites that are run entirely by white supremacists that you may miss some of the context if you only look at the content and not what their entire website is pushing. Well, especially on a platform like Pinterest that is so visual, you know, you might be on there because you're designing a new nursery, you're planning a wedding you're not necessarily primed to be hit with content that could be racially charged or politically charged or be delivering health misinformation. You know, your guard is down. And that's why it was particularly harmful. And that was my, even though the platform had never really done anything public in the policy space, was certainly not known by any of the reporters I ended up um, working with about policy decisions. One of the reasons why I felt so strongly about this is it's a platform that was uh, going towards IPO at the time that I'd started. So I started pre-IPO. And part of the messaging around that is we're a platform with eight and 10 moms in the US on here. Lots of women use uh, the platform around the world and women are often decision makers when it comes to financial choices for their households. So it's a great platform for advertisers but at the same time, that's what made it a prime target for misinformation purveyors, because you have a captive audience, folks who are not attuned to looking for mis and disinformation because they're not on Facebook, they're not on Twitter, they're in a place that feels uh, safe to them. Mm -hmm. And so they're the perfect opportunity to then hawk whatever goods you're selling. Uh, a point that I made often because I'd get invited by the WHO, CDC, and others to talk about this health misinformation work um, that they had not thought about it as much is the financial incentives that are tied to a lot of misinformation. Uh, whether it's Alex Jones selling his nonsense t-shirts and supplements and whatever else, these people are scam artists. That's their number, their number one job is scamming folks. They use the values that people have, they use the fears that people have, to then sell their products. But at the end of the day, these are spammers and scammers. And so you need to also be looking at what it is that they're trying to push on your platform. For almost every single health misinformation site, they were selling supplements. Wow. So if you would address dangerous supplements on the platform as spam, why would you not consider this at the same level of harm to the platform and ultimately harm to legitimate advertisers. I think that we're so used to thinking about scammers as people, 
you know, selling fake Gucci on the street. And like, no, it can, it, it, people can, can scam online and they're misleading you in order to, to get you to buy whatever bullshit product they're hawking. I would actually argue that the person selling the Gucci handbag that's fake, that's not harmful. You get a cheaper bag. If it's made well, it looks pretty good. Like you get a deal, they get a deal. Gucci doesn't get a deal, but what do they need one for? Um, But that's not harmful in the same way that telling parents, and especially at the point at which most parents make decisions about vaccines uh, in the last trimester before they have the kid, that they, instead of getting a vaccine for their child, which will save their child's life, they should instead go buy your vitamin K supplement. That is so harmful and dangerous in a way that we need to take it more seriously. It's not a difference of opinion. It's actually costing people's lives. Definitely. And I think to your point about how many moms are on the platform, you know, as we go into talking about, you know, vaccine rollout for COVID and things like that, it is a lot of times moms who are making health decisions for the family. And so if moms are being inundated with Uh, really harmful health misinformation on this platform where they think they're going to be safe, it is a real problem that could could have a real human cost. And I think, yeah, the person scamming fake Gucci belts on the street, other than not giving Gucci more money, which frankly, I'm not really that mad at, you know, we have to look at the, the kind of harm that these platforms can really be responsible for pushing on communities who are oftentimes already marginalized or underrepresented. That's exactly right. The day of the insurrection, as pro-Trump mobs swarmed the Capitol, one of whom was wearing a shirt reading Camp Auschwitz, Microsoft-owned tech firm GitHub fired a Jewish employee for posting, stay safe, homies, there's Nazis about, in a company Slack channel. The company eventually reversed their decision and apologized to the employee after an investigation. But even still, it establishes a pretty concerning dynamic one where marginalized employees are punished for correctly identifying white supremacists. Ifoma can relate. You were actually punished for speaking up about white supremacists. Yeah, and not only punished, I was personally targeted. So the story I was referring to earlier, the white supremacist colleague who uh, wasn't someone I worked with closely, but worked on uh, the engineering side of trust and safety, I uh, saw a message that I posted in exactly the right place for me to post it. It wasn't a general conversation area, but I posted that a pretty uh, popular white supremacist was, in fact, a white supremacist. I linked to the content that violated our policies that was of concern. And then I put in a note as well that uh, the platform or the folks working on trust and safety should be mindful of these terms. Like, here's a set of terms that are dog whistles unless you're a white supremacist or unless you're the target of the white supremacist harm. And these are what we need to look out for because these folks aren't going to title their videos on YouTube as, hey, I'm a white supremacist and this is my view. It's going to say something about uh, population control Mm -hmm. around uh, white replacement theory, which a lot of folks are not aware of, but is a huge red flag and is a calling card for many white supremacists. Uh, A few months after posting that warning, sharing the context and the content, which was my job as a public policy person who helped inform content safety decisions that we made, I was then um, doxxed. This person doxxed me and two other women, another one who is a black woman and a woman uh, that he, a white woman he assumed to be a lesbian. Um, And we only know that because of the comments that came up on Gateway Pundit and in other places where we had been targeted. And for me, I guess he took a particular disliking to me and so shared uh, my phone number as well. And all of the identifying information that you would need to find me. Uh, At this point, I had already, separate from all of this and separate from the work I was doing, I had already raised pay discrimination complaints with uh, the appropriate leadership at the company, my manager, manager's manager, HR, et cetera, and was getting serious pushback from them. And so then when I was doxxed, the lack of response from them to take care of my safety, to address what was going on was so apparently part of the retaliation that I had already been facing on the pay discrimination side 
that it was pretty traumatizing being at a company where it was clear I was not safe. I was not necessarily safe at home because it's not very difficult to track someone down once you have enough information. Uh, and then was also dealing with everything else at the same time. So uh, I really related to the GitHub uh, story because of the doxing that I experienced and the lack of response. So Ifoma was facing egregious targeted harassment from her own colleagues in retaliation for her work that garnered Pinterest so much positive attention. But she got other kinds of internal pushback too. Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here, and that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small, no problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. In an earlier episode of There Are No Girls on the Internet, 
we explored how the racial justice group Color of Change advocated for Pinterest to change their policies around slave plantations that were being advertised as romantic wedding venues on the platform. The company was widely celebrated for this change, which was led by Ifoma. But that didn't keep them from retaliating against her for it. Later on that same year, uh, Color of Change had come to me because I was the liaison with outside groups, academics, and civil society on content safety issues. They had come to me sharing that uh, they were still seeing slave plantations pop up as wedding venues and suggestions for weddings. If you know Pinterest or you know someone who uses it, the number one use of the platform might be planning a wedding or preparing for some sort of celebration. And uh, I agreed with them. It's completely inappropriate that the platform would be pushing concentration camps, which is what they were, uh, and torture sites as a celebration venue. And so I brought it to our content safety team with my recommendation, shared exactly what Color of Change had shared with me. And then I got pushback from the head of that team, particularly the head of uh, content policy, who happens to still be there and still speaking on behalf of the company. Um, What I later found out was that she was married on a plantation that she never shared that in all of the pushback that I got, but she ended up working with my manager who had already been retaliating against me uh, to ding me on my performance review. So even though Pinterest ended up doing exactly what I recommended, ended up getting praised in 40 plus headlines because of the decision to stop promoting slave plantations and the decisions that I had pushed to be made, I was dinged on my performance review, which affected my pay. Wow. First of all, uh, <laughs> the the reveal that this woman had her own, I mean, yikes. The, the levels. Her own, like the yeah. levels. I mean, we did an episode about, um, we spoke to um, Jade from Color of Change in an earlier episode about uh, Pinterest and the, the decision to not ha- not promote plantation weddings. And just like what you said, right? These companies get to enjoy the positive press that makes them look like a woke company or a company that really cares. Like I heard so many times people say, oh, Pinterest is a company that has a, you know, a, a, like they are a company that prizes like empathy, yada, yada, yada. And then to hear the inner workings of how this happened is so it's such a disconnect, I feel. It really is, you know, it, it really illustrates how so many different levels can come together to suppress and push out and harm a black woman for doing her job right like this was your job it's not like it's not like you were overstepping bounds this is what you were hired to do and i also think this you know and this is the conversation that i feel comes up again and again and again where black women are punished for like doing the right thing for practicing public courage public morality for doing their jobs trying to make things safer or better Someone else gets to enjoy the the benefits of that work, but that work is at best, you know, unappreciated, underappreciated, at worst, dangerous and risky for your own personal safety, right? Like you, like you did this work of making Pinterest a safer, better platform at great personal cost and at great risk to your own safety. Yep. And, and all of those things happen. Not only was I paid uh, unfairly, and I had to pursue legal action because of that. I was then also, my life was threatened. So yeah, I got all of it while I was there. And people often like to call Black women uh, canaries in the coal mine or whatever term they want to use. But I would like to just do my job, get paid fairly and not be put in danger for <laughs> for doing the right thing for a company. I mean, uh something like half, more than half of the articles that were written about Pinterest uh, in the month before the public offering, which happened in April of 2019, referenced my work. So not only did my work have value to the actual users of the platform, end up pushing Facebook and others to have to respond about why they weren't addressing health misinformation, particularly around vaccines. And remember, that was during a different health issue, a measles outbreak, Mm -hmm. measles outbreaks on the East and West Coast. Uh, So not only did it have that sort of impact, which is a slam dunk if you're in a policy space, 
But it also had material benefit to the company in the form of the IPO. And I still was not treated fairly. Yeah. And the company still hasn't actually acknowledged that anything they did in my case was wrong. You seem like someone who has a lot of peace for how horribly you were treated. I've had a lot of rage as well. You know, I, I really do believe in karma. And I believe it's not just you, it'll be the next seven generations that are hit with whatever evil you put out into the world. And so I take the long view. I'm like Arya from Game of Thrones. I have a list. I'm making my way through the list. But you'll get yours eventually. That's, that's my long view. And then also, I'm a student of history and political science. None of this is new. What I'm dealing with is not new. It's not uh, unique to my situation. Does it suck? Yes. Has it been miserable? Yes. I've paid physical consequences for it because my actual health was impaired for the two plus years I was in a legal fight with them. But like, I'm good at the end of the day. I'm at peace with every single decision I've made. I've never lied about what I experienced there. And so when they're out here lying about what they did to me um, and getting called out on lies, that is enough for me. Ifoma publicly resigned from Pinterest. This past summer, when racial justice protests were happening all over the globe and brands were rushing to put out statements in support for Black Lives Matter, she tweeted, I'm an alum of Yale, Google, Facebook, Washington Post Tech, etc., and recently decided to leave Pinterest, which just declared solidarity with Black Lives Matter. What a joke. As a Black woman, seeing Pinterest's middle-of-the-night Black Employees Matter statement made me scratch my head after I just fought for a full year to be paid and leveled fairly. A year in which I was doxxed by a white male colleague, he shared my cell phone number, my photo, and my name with a violently racist, misogynistic part of the internet, followed by a dangerously inadequate response from Pinterest. I continued to serve as the leader and spokesperson for Pinterest's biggest public policy wins, kept all of the above quiet for, quote, professionalism, in the hope that Pinterest would do the right thing. Instead, they doubled down on retaliation. After Ifoma left, Pinterest's former COO, Francois Brouwer, who was white, accused Pinterest of gender discrimination. In December, Pinterest paid Brower $22.5 million to settle her lawsuit. She says she was encouraged to speak out against the discrimination she faced at Pinterest after Ifoma and Erica Shimizu Banks, another Black former Pinterest employee, spoke out first. Only, they never got any big payout. If I remember correctly, you didn't even get a year of severance from Pinterest. That's correct. And laid the groundwork. She was not going to speak up publicly. And actually, in the Medium post where she didn't reference us when she first went public. Um, but she herself said that women had come to her over the course of her career and she actually had not been a helpful ally to other women. So I think she said everything. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, what was crazy about that situation is people got to see in real time what it means to lead a movement and then be left out of whatever progress comes. I mean, when you think about Me Too, who has Me Too actually benefited if not white women? Maybe, maybe in a sense, all women, but it is most benefited white women. And yet it was started by Tarana Burke, a black woman. So this is not, it's not new. It's not, I didn't speak up because I expected them to do the right thing. I, I from the jump, expected them not. I expected them to denigrate my name. Uh, my experience, which they've done all of that, uh, and then not to pay me what they owe me. But seeing it all happen in front of everyone, I think was a lesson, not only for the folks who were watching it and just expecting that the right thing would happen, but then also some of the reporters who worked on the story and were the very first ones to reach out and be like, how is it possible that you, like, I literally remember talking to you and then talking to her several months later. You are the reason why she came forward. You are the reason why she had a strong case. And then this happens. Yeah. For better or for worse, it always seems that Black women, we are the ones build, like, 
we are the ones building and then other people are the ones who are benefiting. And I think I see that in politics. I see that in tech. I see that in so many different, it just seems to be, you know, I, I, at this point it almost, you know, it is what it is, but like, that seems to be our lot on this, on this earth, like building things that we then don't get to, to use ourselves. Right. Like I, I think it was, um, this writer, Clarissa Brooks, who once wrote like, I, as a black woman, I don't want my back to be used as a bridge to a world I'll never see. Right. It's like, I feel like, I feel like that is our lot and I see it particularly in tech, but in so many different, different avenues. Yep. And that's why, even though, uh, this was painful, personally painful, of course, to have been the one who experienced all of this and then have someone else benefit from it. It was instructive for everyone to see it and to see the timeline and how quickly and the different way in which they responded to her. And then also, I think it was a helpful uh, lesson for people who considered themselves allies to see as well, because there were a lot of people who think of themselves as allies who saw it and were like, wait, what? How is it possible that this is happening? This happens all of the time. You just don't usually see the dollar amount that's attached to the progress that certain people get and others do not. More after a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's get right back into it. I do have this feeling that 
there is this underlying assumption that black women like like tech and the internet and all of these domains are it's like not our rightful domain so we should not we are not able to expect experiences that are not harmful in these spaces and i think for me it's kind of this vicious cycle where that dynamic is mirrored at tech companies and so black women engineers black women technologists are be, are pushed out of these companies are are not are, are not being listened to and thus these platforms are not able to 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 prioritize our safety so it's like i feel like we in my mind will never address the true harm that platforms have been responsible for if if these tech companies cannot figure out a way to really have black women be meaningfully centered and heard because it just seems like a this like horrible cycle i'm not sure if this makes any sense but um, no, it makes complete sense. And it's not a lack of figuring it out. It's a lack of desire. The, I, I said to, I think it was Charlie Warzel wrote a column a few months ago about Facebook and it maybe being a lost cause. And I said, platforms reflect the people who lead them. That you're only seeing on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, wherever, what the people who lead those platforms want you to see. And so if they're operating in a white supremacist structure and worldview, and that is where their actual interests align, that's what we're going to see on the platform. So none of this is by accident. None of this is all of a sudden out of control. This is exactly what they designed working in the ways that they want it to work. Yeah, it always seems to come back to that question of, is this an issue of they can't fix this or an issue of they won't fix this. It seems like tech leaders have made some deliberate choices about what to prioritize. And the example I, it makes, usually the audiences that I give this or share this analogy with are health-focused, public health professionals, experts, et cetera. And I say, if you want to understand how non-accidental any of this is, think about pornography. How often do you randomly encounter porn on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or wherever else? Not that often. Not often. It's unusual. Not often. Yeah. Not often. And yet you see misinformation every other post. You see hate every other post. There's a financial reason for that. Advertisers have said they don't want pornography next to their content. And so what have platforms done? Poured every single resource into making sure that's the case. They've made a choice here. And the choice is not on the side of safety. I would argue that if it's legal, consenting, adult pornography, that is way less harmful to randomly encounter on a platform than health misinformation or Nazi content. You have to ask some questions about priorities. You really do. Yep. And the priorities are clear in all of our experiences on these platforms. I think a lot of Black women on the internet have just come to internalize this idea that when it comes to experiences online or on technology or on the internet, we just cannot expect to have experiences that feel safe. And I want to get us to a place where we can rethink the kinds of experiences that we actually can expect from the internet and from tech spaces. I agree. And that's the basis of all of the work that I have done, the work that I'm doing now um, through my consulting firm on tech accountability whether it's in the health misinformation space or whether it's on the organizing side and providing protections for whistleblowers. Um, and I think it, it's a conversation that it's unfortunate that we have to bear the burden of since we're the people who are harmed by it. But uh, even just a few days ago, I was part of a conversation on Clubhouse um, a, around content moderation and around the decisions that platforms made to deplatform Donald Trump. And before we went into that conversation, I sent a note to everyone on the panel saying, Clubhouse is a place that I am not frequenting by choice because Black women are often targeted and people use very loud dog whistles, basically just short of using the N-word and using straight up misogynistic language. But there's a ton of that going on. And I put the onus on everyone on the panel to, if that happened in the course of our conversation from anyone from the audience, to not make it be my responsibility to be the mm -hmm. only one to say something. And every single one was, was great and said, absolutely, of course. 
But that should be the way that we're setting up conversations. It shouldn't be the responsibility of the person who is most likely to be harmed to say like, hey, I hate to be the one to bring the mood down, but this could happen. So can we please watch out for it? God, I have been that person a thousand times. And it's kind of like what you were saying. It just sucks. Like you, you want to you wanna do your job and be paid what you're owed for doing that work. I feel that Black women are just not often afforded the ability to just do your work and keep your head down. It's like you have to take on all this often unpaid, might I add, extra labor, extra energy, extra everything just to exist and do your job and put your message out there. Really, it is exhausting. I know exactly that that feeling of like, oh, God, I'm going to be at the, have to be the person that raises this again. And like everyone's going to groan. I, I just know that feeling and it, it sucks. Yeah, it does. What do you think platforms or policy policy folks or any anybody who has power, decision makers, what should folks be doing to keep dis and misinformation off of platforms? I think it's great that the incoming administration is uh, passing the bar that was on the ground from the Trump administration for diversity. And so at least they've cleared that low bar and standard. But I am not seeing enough um, Black women in positions of leadership when it comes to misinformation and tech policy specifically. Um, I was encouraged by the science. I, I think it's some sort of science-focused department within the administration that was announced recently that Alondra Mm -hmm. Nelson will be on. That's incredible. Uh, But on the tech side, it cannot just be pulling the expertise of people like Eric Schmidt and other white tech executives Mm -hmm. to then reform the same industry that they've made billions off of. Like, that's just not how it works. That's not how it should work. Um, and I and I think it's important to pull academics, but you also need practitioners who have experienced things on the inside of these platforms to be informing the decisions and any regulation or reform that comes as a result. So much of the infrastructure of what we rely on to make the internet safer and better. So pe- people who are fighting disinformation and misinformation have been for a long time. So much of that in- the infrastructure is black women. What is it like to know that we have such a big role in doing a lot of the work that is making the internet safer and better for everybody? Uh, I mean, I it's tough because on the one hand, when we when progress is made that we push for, everyone benefits, um, and often we benefit the least, and mm-hmm. so. It is, it's just a role that many Black women have taken on uh, to protect themselves and uh, our communities. On the other hand, I don't blame any Black women who are like, you know what, this is not my fight. This is not my battle. I'm tired. I'm just trying to live during a pandemic. I'm trying to feed my kids. I'm trying to feed myself. I'm trying to take a damn nap. Like I ascribe wholeheartedly to the nap ministry and the work that the NAP ministry has been doing, because I think sometimes we have to say, you know what, I told you so, now I'm going to rest. (laughs) That's it. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I'm bowing out. And so I allow the space for that at any point, while also hoping that when Black women say, you know what, this is work that I want to do, that we're uplifted and we're empowered. The flip side of that is making sure that uh, allies or supposed allies are not then saying, oh my gosh, you're so good at this, you need to be the one leading it. No, no. Uh, After uh, the fifth and the results in Georgia, when everyone is posting about, and not Black women, because Black women were not doing this, but when everyone else was posting about what Stacey Abrams needs to be doing, no. If she wants to go to a spa for the next month, for the next decade, that is her decision and that's what she should be empowered to do. And those same people trying to demand labor of her should donate so that she can have her spa time for as long as she wants. Like that is the kind of allyship that I want to see, not just finding new work for us to do when we're the only ones paying the price for the work. For Ifoma, the work continues. 
Just last week, she introduced the Silent No More Act, new legislation she released with California State Senator Connie Leva that would prevent the use of non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs, in workplace situations involving discrimination and harassment of any kind. When Ifoma spoke out about what she experienced at Pinterest, she was breaking an NDA. And because the current legislation only protects employees from speaking out against gender discrimination, not race-based discrimination, Pinterest could have sued her for speaking up. Ifoma is working to change the future, to build one where marginalized people don't have to pay such a huge personal cost for trying to build a better world. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control. Enter Conair girl bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women from the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades. You don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.